Welcome to Central Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast. This program features the preaching and teaching of Corey Ramirez, the pastor of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. In God's Word, you will find the encouragement needed for today. And now, here is Pastor Ramirez. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, uh, for they shall see God. Now, uh, the word blessed means happy. Joyful, blissful. So happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Uh, this morning, I want to try to answer three questions for you. I'll put them up here and we'll go through these. Uh, who or what is pure in heart? What, what does this mean? What is pure in heart? Uh, who are the pure in heart? And then why are the pure in heart happy? Why are they happy? And so we'll look at these three and hopefully be encouraged by it. Uh, and hopefully be challenged and whatever else the Holy Spirit needs uh, to work in our heart with, He'll do so this morning. So let's get into this. Uh, the pure in heart. Let's start there on, on uh, what is pure in heart or what does it mean to be pure in heart. Uh, we have two words I want to kind of just elaborate on. First, pure. Pure. Uh, that means to be clean from, clean, uh, cleansed, clean from filth. Uh, as far as the Bible or scriptures, you're clean from iniquity or clean from sin. Uh, as far as being pure, purity. Now, God's pure. There is no sin in God. God is holy. God is righteous. He is completely pure. He is the, the literal definition of purity. And that's who God is. Uh, the second one is heart. Heart. Uh, now, you have the organ. And it's working this morning, that's why you're here, and you have the organ that pumps blood uh, within you. But you know, the Bible, when it refers to the heart, uh, it's referring to the inside part of man. That's, that's within. It goes beyond the externals and uh, talking about what we call the internal. Some have called it the seat of personality uh, or the seat of our affections. That's where our heart is. Uh, I want to point out to you, it's not the emotions, all right? Not the emotions. When the... Bible talks about the emotions. It talks about the bowels, which would be the stomach area, uh, which is kind of interesting. You know, that's where we feel nerves and other things and get emotions. When it talks about the heart, it's talking about what we would call uh, our personality, our desires, maybe our affections, our thoughts, our motives. And let's look at a few verses so we see this. Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we'll stay in Matthew to start with over to a few chapters to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21. Jesus here, this is him teaching and speaking. He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Uh, Now this passage here is a challenge uh, really for us to not live for the treasures of the world, but to seek God and the treasures he has. But notice he says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. In other words, uh, your desires, your motives, your affections, what you've set them on, that's where your treasure is. And, you know, uh, we want to make sure we set them on the things of God. Let's go over a few more chapters. Chapter 15, there's another passage here which talks about the heart. Matthew chapter 15. And verse 16 is where it starts here. It says here, Do you not yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, 
and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. For these are the things which defile a man, uh, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. So in this passage here, he's dealing with what we would call the the traditions, the ceremonies that the Jewish people had during that day of of washing. You know, it's good to wash, all right, good to wash your hands and uh, good to stay clean. But uh, the focus that Christ had while on earth was the internal, the heart. He said that has to be clean as well, not just the outside. And then he says, actually, what springs up from your heart is going to display what's going on inside. And he gives a list there of some of the sins that can spring up uh, from the heart that show that there's filth there, there's sin. And so what we find in the Bible when it talks about the heart, it's talking about the inner part of man. Now, let me give you a few more. Let's go to Proverbs. Let's look at Proverbs. Uh, just a couple more so we can see this really developed here this morning. Proverbs chapter 23 is the one I'll give you here. Proverbs 23. Proverbs chapter 23. I'll try to slow down. I'll go too fast so you get there. Uh, notice it says here in verse 7, in this proverb, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Uh, this whole passage is dealing with the thoughts of mankind. But notice it says, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our desires, our affections, our thoughts, what we have. That's what the Bible refers to, our heart. That's, that's what it's talking about. And I'll give you one more. Let's go to Psalm uh, chapter 57. I think we have enough to develop this here. Psalm chapter 57, where we can see that this passage is talking about the heart, the inner part of man, our affections and our desires. Psalm chapter 57. And this is David here talking about really glorifying God. But notice what he says in verse 7. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Sing and give praise. Awake up, my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. For mercy, for thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy earth be above all the earth. You know that the key to this praise and glory goes back to verse 7. His heart was fixed on God. In other words, it was set on the Lord. His affections, his desires, his motives, his thoughts, he fixed them on God. And because he fixed them on God, he could praise God. You know, you go to the book of Daniel, chapter 1, and those young men who went to that land and were forced to to adapt to the culture. The reason why they didn't give up on God or, or didn't turn from God is because they purposed in their heart not to. And that's referring to the same thing. They made a decision within uh, not to forsake their God. So the heart we're talking about here is within. It's who you are. It's your, your seat of affection. So pure heart, a pure heart. I guess to, to combine these two words together, a pure heart would be a sincere heart. Uh, it would be an honest heart. Uh, a heart without any hidden motives, Selfish desires, sinful thoughts, or any wicked imaginations. A pure heart is what we're talking about here. And by the way, it just takes one sin, one sin to taint the heart. It doesn't take multitudes of sins, just one sin. I'll illustrate this. You know, if I had a, a glass of water up here, and if you're real thirsty, I offered it to you, you might drink it. But if I took a, a big piece of dirt and dropped it in, you may think twice. Unless you're really thirsty, you may think twice. Uh, the whole cup would be tainted with what was dropped in. Not, not just uh, one section, but it would just spread throughout. And that's how sin is. One sin 
will corrupt the heart and render us unclean. So a pure heart, that's what a pure heart is. A pure heart is a heart that's clean from sin and clean from filth. Now let's go to the second question here. Who are the pure in heart? Uh, And let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. Let's go back to our our text here and, and look at what it says, Matthew 5. Because he says, blessed... Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So, here's a few things we can conclude. There has to be some who are pure in heart. Because that's the teaching here. And Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart. Happy are those that are pure in heart. Uh, I don't believe he would have said that if there... If it was an impossibility where there could be nobody that was pure in heart. And so now what we have to do is discover what the Bible says, how we can be pure in heart and how it's possible and who are the pure in heart. So pure, to be clean from filth, clean from iniquity or from sin. And that leads us into the second question here, which I'm going to hopefully attempt to answer. Who are the pure in heart? What's difficult about this is because of the verses in the Bible that are clear on sin, correct? Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, the Bible clearly teaches that we're sinners. The Bible clearly teaches that we have sinned. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we would admit that we have sinned from time to time. We've made mistakes. We've been selfish. We didn't put God first. That's the first commandment, by the way. God first. Uh, we put ourselves first at times or something else. And so if we were honest, we would say, yes, I've sinned. And that creates the problem. Well, how can I have a pure heart if there is sin uh, there or sin involved? Well, the answer to that question is Jesus Christ. All right, that's the answer. He's the answer. And he's the answer to that question uh, this morning. He's the answer that I think the world needs because he's the answer to the problem of sin. Not not think, I know the world needs Christ because he's the answer to sin. Let's go to Romans chapter 5 and let's see what it says here. Romans chapter 5 and we'll look at verse 1. Romans chapter 5 and in verse 1 it says here, Therefore, now, the first four chapters is what he's talking about, the therefore. And in chapters 3 is where we find all our sinners. Uh, chapter 2, he talks about the Jews being sinners. Chapter 3, he brings in the Gentiles and says, hey, everyone's sin. And he continues on. We get to chapter 5. He says, therefore, uh, having being, or ha- being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But notice in verse 1, that's what I want to talk about, being justified by faith. Justified, that means to be rendered just, innocent, free, or clean of sin. That's what it's referring to, justified. And notice how someone is justified by faith. We have peace with God. And notice how that justification, who it's through, it's through Jesus Christ. Okay? In other words, we don't clean our own heart of sin. Because we can't. It's impossible. Because we're sinners. You know, as much as we tried to clean, it just wouldn't work. It just wouldn't happen. Because there's sin involved. We can't completely clean ourselves. Now, we can do our best. Maybe today, you you determine you're going to live perfect from this point on and never make a mistake. Now, if I made that decision, the only way that I'd be able to handle that is if the Lord would call me home within the next few minutes because uh, uh, we're sinners. We, we, we wouldn't be able to do that. But let's just say someone, for instance, could do that. Well, the, the next question would be, well, how about the sins before you made that decision? Do you see, we have that sin that's, that's there. And one sin 
taints the heart. One sin is a problem. Uh, and, and what we find here is Jesus is the one who renders us clean. He's the one who makes us justified. Uh, how does this happen? It happens, uh, we talk about being saved, it happens the moment that you uh, believe on Jesus Christ for salvation. You see, the moment someone believes on Jesus Christ as their Savior, they are justified. They're made pure before God. They're rendered clean before God uh, as far as their position before Him. And so when God looks upon someone who has received Jesus Christ as their Savior, then He sees His Son, Jesus Christ. He sees the forgiveness. He sees the pure heart. Because they've been saved. He no longer sees this, the, the sinful mistakes uh, that we have made. Now, I'm going to go over to, we're in Romans, so if you wouldn't mind, we're going to go over to Romans chapter 10. And as you're heading that direction, let me give you some thoughts, because I'm going to read this verse here in just a few moments, Romans chapter 10. But what we're talking about right now is what we'd call our position before God. You're standing before the Lord. You know, this morning, God looks upon each one of us. Think about that. Each one of us, God looks upon you. And God goes beyond the externals. Uh, what I mean that God looks beyond works and deeds and words because He can look within the heart. I can't look within the heart. Okay? Nobody here can. We base our decisions upon what people do, what they say, how they act. But I don't know your motives. And that's good. Okay? Because I'm not God. God knows that. And God looks beyond that. You see, God is able to see through and able to see within. That's why when we read the scriptures and, and Christ talking about those internal matters, he's saying, I know those things. I know what's going on within the heart. You know, on several occasions, he answered some of those that opposed him even before they could speak or while they were silent. They were murmuring within and he gave them an answer, which displayed his ability to look within the heart. And so this morning, God knows our hearts, each one of us. God knows our hearts. And God knows if your heart is pure this morning before Him. And God accepts only the pure. The Bible teaches that because He's pure, because He's holy. So if the heart is pure, if your heart is pure before God this morning, that means that God accepts you. And the only way for the heart to be pure is to be forgiven of sin. That's it. Because if it, 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 the sin keeps popping up. You know, that issue's right there. And, and if your sins have not been forgiven by God, then you're not pure before God. That's just what we find in the Scriptures. Let me look at Romans chapter 10. Let me point this out to you. It says here in verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is where we find one passage in the Bible talking about salvation and how you can be saved, how you can be justified, uh, how you can be pure in heart. And that is, in this passage we find here, uh, obviously it, it began talking first. It says, with the heart man believeth. Notice it goes to the internal. It goes beyond our works and our deeds. You know, by the way, uh, for the most part, man's religion is external. Trying to do as many good deeds as you can. Trying to work your way to heaven. Trying to please God. Where God says, no, God goes to the inside. And God looks upon the heart. 
And he said, salvation is not how much money you have. It's not how many good works you've done. It's not your health. It's whether it's good or bad. It's your heart before him. Is it pure? Is it right? And notice he says here, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. It has to go beyond the mind, does it not? It has to get down to the heart. And you say, well, how does it get to the heart? That's where the faith comes in. Believeth under righteousness. I know a lot of people who could tell you how to be saved who aren't saved. Does that make sense? I know a lot of people who were in church, know what the Bible teaches. Maybe they grew up in church. I was that way at one point. Know exactly what is needed to be saved, but they haven't acted upon it. They've never believed on Jesus Christ, never received Him as their Savior. There's not the act of faith. It hasn't gone from the mind to the heart. It's just knowledge. Folks, salvation is believing on Jesus Christ. Understanding that He is the Savior. Understanding His work on the cross. And notice how He explains this here. He says, that If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. So the confession comes from the mouth. In other words, we, we understand that's, that's the confession, but the, the work takes place within, on the heart. And believing in the heart, and he says here in verse 10, for with the heart believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So it has to begin in the heart. And this morning, I hope and pray you've been saved. If you've been saved, you're saying, yeah, pastor, I know what you're talking about. That's what I did. I understood that I was a sinner. I repented of my sin. I believed on Jesus Christ. I I didn't add him to my list of gods or other things, but I believed who he was, who he said he was, which is the Son of God. That he's alive today. That he died for my sin. He took my place on the cross. And that's what I'm trusting in. That's where my hope is. See, that's what salvation is, is is trusting in Jesus Christ. You know, the the best definition of salvation that I've ever, or faith, excuse me, faith, that I've ever read is by an old farmer. And he said, faith is putting all your eggs in one basket. And that's what faith is. And that's what faith is here. It's believing on Jesus Christ. Not, not Christ and something else. Not, well, I go to church and do that. No, it's you believe on Christ and you're trusting in Him 100% for your salvation. And that's what salvation is here. That leads to what we call the purity, the pure in heart. Uh, the book of Titus, chapter 3, verse 5. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Titus chapter 3. Uh, I just want to show you real quick the work that the Holy Spirit does in the heart of those who believe. Uh, Titus chapter 3. And verse 5 says, uh, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. See, the Holy Spirit is the one who washes and regenerates the heart. Now, we're talking about a pure heart, right? Something that's cleansed. It's the work of the Spirit. Once you believe on Christ, the Spirit does the work. That's all instant, folks. It's a miracle, salvation is. So I couldn't explain all the details of it. But we know that the Spirit works, washes and regenerates your heart. According to 1 John 1, 7, it's His blood, Jesus Christ's blood that cleanses us from all sin. It's His shed blood. Uh, So the Spirit applies that, cleanses us, renders us pure before God so that we are acceptable. You know, in Revelation it talks about those that the the blood of Jesus Christ had made their, their robes 
white, clean, those that are martyrs and those that are saved. And and here this morning, if you're saved, if you believed on Jesus Christ, then your heart has been cleansed and you're pure in heart before God. And and that's your position before God this morning. That's your position. And that's not going to change because Christ will never change. It's a perfect work. You don't have to keep it. He'll maintain that. He's the one who cleanses your heart. He's, he's the one who will take care of that. And so before God, you're, you're cleansed. You know, the devil may try to bring it up sometimes, but you just say, no, I put my faith in Christ. Uh, he's done the work. He's, the Bible talks about him being our mediator. Uh, an advocate, which is a lawyer, is referring to. He's our lawyer up in heaven, stands before God for us on our behalf. And because of Jesus Christ, we're rendered clean. But that leads me to my next thought here this morning, and that's what I'd call the practical. The practical. Your daily life, all right? Every single day we live. And every single day we have to deal with temptation, correct? And have to make decisions, maybe make mistakes. Well, what about that? Some will say, well, what about that? You know, are, are you no longer pure in heart? Well, our position's secure. God says you're, you're secure before God. Now we're talking about what we call our practical, everyday living. And God wants us to remain pure before Him as we go through this world. And let me give you some thoughts on this. Here's the first one. Um, you don't have to answer if you don't want. How many of you took a shower this morning? That's why you know you don't have to answer if you don't want to. You know, we take showers or baths to remain clean, right? To clean our physical body. Uh, if your body's filthy... Uh, chances are someone nearby is going to figure that out eventually if you don't take any showers or baths, right? Uh, and so the, the filthiness will affect your entire body. That's why we take baths. That's why we take showers. That's why we wash our hands. You know, your heart needs to remain clean too. Your heart needs to remain clean too, pure before God. You know, sin will make your heart unclean before God. Now, you're not going to lose your salvation. That's set. God settled that. But your fellowship with God can be hindered. Your prayer life can be hurt. Your reading the Bible, getting understanding of God's Word can be affected because of maybe sin in your life. And that's where we must remain pure before God. As David said, fixed his heart upon the Lord. Or as Daniel purposed his heart, in his heart, to stay pure before God. We have to make those decisions too, that we're going to stay clean before the Lord and live for Him. Uh, now how do we do this? Let's go over to the book of James. Uh, I think we find in this passage uh, how we can remain pure in heart as far as our walk with God here on earth, our, our life before the Lord. James chapter 4 this morning. James chapter 4, and I'll begin reading in verse 7. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Uh, Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. I'm going to stop there. Okay, verses 7 and 8, I think, hold the key to maintaining a good, strong walk with God, a, a fellowship with the Lord. Number one, notice he says, submit to God. Submit to God. Uh, that is where it begins, submitting to God. Is that not what Daniel did when he purposed in his heart he was going to stay pure? Uh, David, throughout his life, Joseph submitted to God. See, when you submit to God, that's you saying, your will, God, not mine. Your direction for my life, not mine. Your ways, not mine. And so it begins with us submitting to God. And that's a decision that comes from right here, from your heart. 
having to make that choice and that decision. And this is something I think may have to happen on a daily basis. Submit ourselves to God tomorrow morning, throughout the day. Say, your Lord, your will, not mine. When those temptations pop up to do what you want to do, maybe, and say, God, help me to do what you want me to do. Help me to speak how you would want me to speak in this situation, not how I feel like speaking right now. You see, submitting to God. And then the second one, notice he says, resist the devil. Resist the devil. You know, the devil, he's going to tempt you. There's temptations out there. Now, he, he may do what we'd call direct Temptation. It may be actually the devil actually who's, who's tempting. We find that in the scriptures. He did that with Peter. And he did that with others. He even tempted Christ. Now there's nothing wrong with being tempted. Folks, that happens. There's temptations out there. And then there's what I call the indirect temptations. That's just the uh, part of the, I guess you say, the effect of the devil's work in this world of sin. Uh, you know, you see driving down the street, you may be tempted. Um, seeing a billboard or seeing something over here. There's temptations all over the place because the devil's work in this world. And we have to resist those. Resist the devil. In other words, say no. Get away. Flee if you have to. That's how, that's how Joseph resisted the temptation. He got himself out of there. You know, sometimes you may just have to get away. i got to get away from this temptation so that way I don't do or say something that I need forgiveness for later. So what we find here is to resist that. Uh, let me turn over to a passage for you. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to come back to James, uh, but I want to point out Philippians chapter 4. I think this is probably one of the best ways to resist the devil. Because, you know, the, the battle that takes place for temptation is a battle often right here. Your thoughts. What you think about. And notice what it says here. Philippians chapter 4, he says, uh, verse 8, he says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now, you know, this morning, I want to encourage you to guard your thoughts. Okay? Guard your thoughts. Because that's where the devil begins to work. He begins to work. And there are a lot of ways that he sneaks in there. He can sneak in there with something you see, something you hear. Uh, and even seeing it inadvertently or hearing it inadvertently, it, it can come into your mind. And so we must guard our thoughts and think on Things that are of God. We've had a list here. Think on those things. So here's uh, the practical side of this. If you find yourself thinking on something you shouldn't be thinking on, then just kick it out of your mind. All right? Just kick it out of your mind. And that can be all sorts of things. Maybe it could be you're just upset with somebody. And so you're dwelling on that. And you're just focusing on that. And you're letting that affect you. Well, stop thinking on that. Think on things of God. Get to the Scriptures. Think on things that, that, that God would want you to think on. Or it could be you're thinking on some temptation. Maybe there's a weakness in your life. By the way, we all have weaknesses, all right? We all have weaknesses. Guard those. Just understand where your weaknesses are. Strengthen them by thinking on things of God. And if the Lord or the devil, excuse me, should tempt you in some of those areas, remove those thoughts. You know, I think one of the best ways is to memorize Bible verses, all right? Think on God's Word throughout your day. Especially if you get discouraged, if you get tempted, think on God's Word. And that'll help us to get our focus back on God and help us maintain a pure.
your heart before the Lord. Uh, you know, we go back to, to James chapter 4. He says, uh, submit to God, resist the devil. And then the next one, he says, draw nigh to God. That's different than submitting to God. Submitting to God is recognizing God's authority, His power, His will. Drawing nigh to God is referring to fellowship. All right? Getting close to God. John chapter 15 talks about abiding with Christ, uh, remaining with Him. Here he says, draw nigh. In other words, get close to God so you can fellowship with Him. And when you fellowship with Him, you're going to be encouraged. You're going to be strengthened. Now, the ways we fellowship is through the Word. That's one of the ways. The best way to, to draw an eye to God is read your Bible. Study your Bible. Pray. Talk to God. Uh, someone has pointed out once, you know, prayer is talking to God. Reading the Bible is God talking to you. There's that communication. There's that fellowship. And develop a relationship with God where you're fellowshipping with Him and you're drawing nigh unto God. You know, the closer you are to God, the easier it is to overcome those temptations. To dwell on good thoughts and good things. It's when we pull ourselves away that we begin to struggle with those. So let's just draw an eye to God. And then the fourth one here, he says, cleansed, talking about being cleansed and made pure. Clean, clean your hands. Be made pure. You know, First John 1 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what we're talking about. A pure heart, to be cleansed. You know, as Christians, uh, the thought here is if you sin, you make a mistake, you can seek God's forgiveness. Okay, that's not the end. God will forgive you. God will forgive you of your sin. Let's say you had a thought, and you dwelt on that thought. You know, temptations may come in, and you get rid of them. That's fine. But when you let it stay there, and you begin to dwell on it, then it becomes a problem. Then I think it becomes the sin, because you're thinking on it. You're dwelling on those. Well, let's say you have some thought that you know you shouldn't be thinking on. I'll use an example. Let's say someone cut you off in traffic. Hope that doesn't happen, but it happens to me all the time. And let's just say you dwelt on that. Man, that person, and you get, get to work, or you get home, and you're still thinking on that. Well, maybe you need to say, Lord, please forgive me. I don't know that person. Maybe they're in a hurry. Maybe there's a real reason why they needed to get there. Please forgive me for thinking that. I'm sorry that I was dwelling on that. You see, that's all it is. You, you confess your sin, and you forsake it. You move on. Now, that, that's that's a, a, a one example, of course. Any sin that you make a mistake, you go to God, and, and you confess that. Forsake it. That's what that's there for. It's there so we understand that we have a loving Heavenly Father. Amen. How many of you glad God's forgiving? I'm glad God's forgiving. Uh, I was reading a while back, the late Billy Sunday had a, a, a message, and he, he was kind of flamboyant in some of his messages, but he had a, a good point that he made that I thought was excellent. And his point, he said this. He said, he told the, the people that were in attendance, he goes, be grateful I'm not God. He goes, because I'd have pinched your heads off probably a long time ago. He goes, but God is patient with all of us. Is he not? God is forgiving with all of us. And I'm so grateful that God waits and forgives us when we go to Him. And God is a, a wonderful Heavenly Father to us. And that's because God is gracious and merciful. And once you're saved, you belong to Him. And He just wants us to remain pure. Uh, before I move on to our last thought, uh, just uh, to kind of finish this thought here. You know, we had the recent COVID outbreak. Uh, and let me ask you a question. How many of you washed your hands a few times during that outbreak? 
I wash my hands more times than I can even imagine or even thought I would ever probably wash my hands. Now, there's nothing wrong with washing hands, all right? That's good. Uh, but for a while, I think we thought we had to wash everything, did we not? I mean, everything had to be washed and cleansed. Uh, I I began during that time to really understand the, the Jews. You know, they had all their cleansings. We were having our cleansings, you know. Cardboard boxes had to be washed when they come off the packages. A lot of that was just... Uh, Ignorance, we didn't know. You know, as we progressed and got more knowledge of things, things changed, of course. But we washed. Why did we do that? Because we didn't want to get sick, right? That's why we did it. We didn't want to get sick. And so we washed to make sure that we didn't get sick. Why do you go to God to seek forgiveness? Why do you guard your heart to keep from getting sin in? To keep from getting sin or allowing sin into your heart, into your life. You know, I I believe sin in your heart is far worse than COVID. We don't want sin in our heart. Make sure that your heart is pure as far as you're standing before God, that you have received Christ as your Savior, you believed on Him. And then afterwards as a Christian, let's do our best to live a life that's pleasing unto the Lord. And if there's sin there, just seek God's forgiveness. And let's make sure we do our best to keep that at bay. Here's my final thought here, and I'll answer this just here real quick. It says, why are the pure in heart happy? Why are the pure in heart happy? Because that's uh, the key here. You know, the Matthew 5 is the, some have called this the key to happiness. You want to be happy? You, you read Matthew 5 and you, you apply these, you're going to find happiness in life. And here is the, the happiness here as far as our passage this morning. Matthew chapter 5, it says in verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, and then it says here, for they shall see God. They shall see God. Now, the best way I can explain this one here, uh, here in a moment, I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you want to make your uh, way that direction, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe the scriptures give us the best, the best answer to this. And so we'll look at the scriptures here. But before we do this, let me give you something to think about. Because uh, we're going to talk about faith. Okay, by faith. It says, they shall see God. I believe by faith we see God. Okay, and let me illustrate this. By faith, I've been many places. But I've never traveled the world. Okay, I I would never be confused with a world traveler. I've never been out of the United States of America. So I haven't seen these places with my literal eyes. But I enjoy reading books. And I've read a lot of books. And I've read a lot about a lot of places. And I believe... The authors, I believe what was written. I've seen pictures. I don't think the whole world's worked to trick me into thinking London's not real or Paris is not real. I believe those places are real. And by faith in them, trusting in their writings, in their works, I've seen those places. Not literally, but I, I've got pictures in my mind. I've seen them. Well, when you think of it this way, notice Second Corinthians chapter 5, what Paul says here. Chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, and we'll look here in verse 1. He says, uh, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, he's talking about the body, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. He says, we know that's there. When Paul wrote this, uh, he didn't have all the details of heaven. He knows more now, and we'll know more when we get there. But notice what he says. He says, For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. 
Notice verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Uh, you know, there's some things here. First off, you notice when he talks about the body, he talks about groaning a lot. <laughs> you know, the older I get, the more I can relate to this. You know, uh, we begin to, our bodies begin to deteriorate and decline. And, and, and he's saying we're, we're home here now. But at some point, that's going to change. And he's saying right now we're walking by faith, not by sight. We haven't actually put our eyes upon heaven. We actually haven't seen Jesus Christ yet. That, that's the key there, right? Yet. Because that's coming. But he said it hasn't happened yet, but it doesn't mean it's not real. And it doesn't mean that we don't see. We just see by faith. Now you apply that to Matthew 5. Because, by the way, it's interesting, the beatitude... It's referring to what we call a continuous, uh, you know, they shall see God. In other words, not the future, but right now is referring to they shall see him now. That's what we find, folks. Those that are pure in heart, they see God by faith. They see God at work in their heart. They see God at work in their life. They see how God has changed them and forgiven them and how God has worked in those around them. You see, you see God at work. And that's what we begin to see. And by faith, I can say I've seen God because I believe the words of Christ. I've received and believed on Him as my Savior. The account of the crucifixion, the resurrection. You know, Jesus told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that's a, that was a step of faith for Philip. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, John 4.24 says, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What we find is that those that are pure in heart have seen God. Let me give you one more passage to wrap this up this evening. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Because this really, I think, uh, brings home the happiness. Brings home the happiness here. Now, I'm not Pentecostal, but this verse will make you want to shout, all right? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. It's kind of early, and the time changed, so maybe not for you this morning. But first, uh, John chapter 3, it says here, verse 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Let that sink in this morning. There is going to be a day you will see Jesus as he is. You will see your Lord and Savior. You will see him. You know, there was a song written several years ago. Maybe some will be familiar with it. It was called, Oh, What a Moment. Oh, What a Moment. I'll not sing it to you hurt your ears, but I'll give you a few of the words. Oh, what a moment when we see Jesus, when we stand face to face, when we thank Him for His amazing grace. What a moment that's going to be. See, that's the happiness that those that are pure in heart have. That's our future. That's our hope. We're going to see Him. Maybe today. You know, you walk out there, maybe maybe he's going to return this afternoon. I don't know. Maybe next week. But we will see him someday. We will stand before him. We will be with him for all eternity. You know, another thought on that is your loved ones have seen him that are in heaven today. Those that have believed on Christ, they're with him. They've seen him. They've already enjoyed this moment. Kind of jealous of some of them. You know, they've seen him. We will see him someday as well. And see, the believer, those that are pure in heart, that's the, the blessing that comes. That's the happiness. 
Why are the pure in heart happy? Because they see God by faith now. And they'll see Jesus face to face someday and see him as he is. In closing this morning, I have two questions that I want to encourage you to consider. First, uh, your position before God, your standing. Are you saved? Are you pure in heart? Um, That is settled by you believing on Christ as your Savior and receiving the salvation that God offers. So I want to encourage each of you to examine your heart. You might not be able to write down the exact time. I know some can. But there should be a moment in your life where you understood you were a sinner and you believed on Christ for salvation. And if that's the case, praise God for that. If that's not the case, then today could be that day that you are rendered clean before God by receiving Him as your Savior. And here's the second one for those that are saved. Uh, How is your walk with God? How is your walk with God? You know, it's good to examine from time to time our heart. Ask God to examine our heart. David did this on several occasions. Ask Him to cleanse Him. Ask God, say, God, is there anything within that shouldn't be there? Are there any thoughts that I shouldn't be having? Is there anything I'm holding on to that I shouldn't be holding on to? And if the Lord gives you that answer, then... Seek His forgiveness. Throw those thoughts away or those aside and let God purify your heart through His forgiveness. You've been listening to the preaching of Pastor Ramirez of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you would like more information about Pastor Ramirez or Central Baptist Church, please visit our website, centralbaptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again for another message from God's Word.